this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. And so we're going to jump into some of the, the more difficult things that Jesus has to say, look at them from a biblical view, and then examine our lives under that microscope. And so Matthew chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 13, I'm going to read from the ESV this morning, uh, because full disclosure, I lost my Bible, uh, both of my Bibles. I have uh, two Bibles I like to read out of, and uh, for, like, for the last like three weeks, I've not been able to find either one of them. And so I have my phone that I like to, I, I used to read my Bible on a lot, but uh, there's just something about having my paper Bible that I like to like to use. And so I went back to an old, old, older uh, Bible that I had, uh, which is an ESV. And as I was reading this, I, the, the language just struck me um, very strong. And then I found my Bible uh, this last, the other, just yesterday. It was in my closet, in a bag. I had used a bag to carry a bunch of stuff from the church up to my house, and there it was. Not not important, but um, wow, you guys don't care. But I found my Bible. I don't know if anybody has ever lost like a favorite like Bible of theirs. It's already highlighted. It's already underlined. I was really like regretting the fact that I was going to have to buy a new like paper Bible, and then it just anyway. Some of you are like, yeah, I get that. Some of you are like, shut up, just talk. Uh, Matthew 7 verse 13 says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Those are the words of Jesus that's the warning that he gives. This is this, uh, it, it's not necessarily like, woo, amen, happy, like a bunch of roses and flowers and stuff like this. It's, it's a very serious statement that Jesus is making here. Enter by the narrow gate, uh, for the gate is wide. Uh, some say in the way is broad. Um, that word broad and easy uh, are very, very similar in the Greek. But I want you to think about it this way. Uh, a road that is wide is easy to walk on, right? Uh, if you've ever been like on uh, like hiking a 14er or something like that with a very narrow trail, it's easy to deviate from the path if it's, if it's small and narrow. Uh, so they're very similar in context, even in the Greek. Uh, that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. This uh, passage of scripture is full of contrasting statements, the many and the few. There's two gates, there's two ways, there's two destinations. Jesus isn't just kind of overly simplifying these things because he's an imbecile or he thinks you're stupid, but very plainly the crux of Jesus's message here is that there are no shortcuts to God. There's no magic formula all roads don't lead to Jesus. Following Jesus is difficult. It's not overly complex. 
In fact, I preached a message, uh, a series of messages, I don't know, in the past on the simple gospel. But the reality is this, that following Jesus is difficult. Following Jesus is hard, um, but it's also pretty simple. <laughs> Jesus doesn't make it overly complex to say yes to him, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy. And a lot of theologians, a lot of scholars that I was studying were uh, kind of arguing about this translation here, and they, they kind of talk about, well, I don't know if maybe we should paint this picture that following Jesus is hard. And uh, just some of the commentators that I was reading, and I, I was kind of trying to think of like what world they're on, if they've ever actually tried to like seriously say yes to Jesus day in and day out. But uh, it is a difficult thing, friends, to do what Jesus is talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount, to love your enemies, is a difficult thing to do. To forgive people that don't deserve it is a difficult thing to do, <laughs> Right? Can you track with me? To, to live above material possessions, that, that's a difficult thing to do. They're all impossible things to do without his help. And I make no apologies for this morning, this morning to tell you that following Jesus is hard. And if you feel like, man, this saying yes to God thing should be easier and you're continually meeting opposition and it's a struggle, I want to say that you're in good company this morning. If you feel like I just, there's something wrong with me, I'm broken because, you know, Pastor Nate doesn't seem to be struggling with this, or, you know, Adam doesn't mess up like this, and, and all of these different thoughts that might come, I want to silence the lie of the enemy and tell you that we are all having a hard time following Jesus. <laughs> and it's okay if that's you because it's difficult. Jesus very clearly says that it's difficult, but it's not impossible. And uh, praise God for that. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit today. Is that okay? Yes. I want you to think about this. Um, it's hard to die. It's hard to die to yourself continually. He never promised that it would be easy, but he has always promised that it would be worth it. I want you to think about this, that nothing worthwhile in life comes easily, Right? Um, it's one of the lies that our culture has fed us, um, that if there's any opposition to something, that it must be wrong. Like if you don't feel natural or good about something, then it must be time for a change, right? You ask any person that, any married person ever, <laughs> if marriage is difficult, they will either tell you, yes, it is hard, or no, and if they don't say that, they're lying, or they're still on their honeymoon. <laughs> like The reality of it is, is that marriage is difficult. And our culture would like to perpetuate this lie. When it gets difficult, when it doesn't feel good, when, it's, when, it's, when there's some kind of friction there, that it's probably a good time to turn in the, throw in the towel and try something different. Because our emotions and our feelings dictate what's right and what's wrong, rather than some outside source. But the reality of it is, uh, I can tell you that, yes, marriage is hard. <laughs> Living with another person is difficult. Sharing passions and, and really putting somebody else above yourself is hard, but it's 100% worth it. Marriage is one of the most beautiful things that, that you could possibly imagine, and it's worth it. It's worth it, friends. I, I, you could take this same kind of example, look at parenting. 
Ask any mom in this room if being a parent is hard. Yes, you could ask my wife that's downstairs, probably with screaming babies right now, that being a mom is hard. Being a parent is hard. But would you ever say it's not worth it? No. Well, maybe some days, but uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> the reality of it is, is that the things in life that are worth doing don't, don't come easily, right? Um, I could use an example here of, you know, uh, you guys get what I'm saying. I don't need to beat the, that dead horse, but the reality of it is, is saying yes to Jesus is difficult. Following Jesus is not, uh, is not the easiest thing to do in this life, but I can encourage you today that it is 100% worth it. And I don't want you to buy into the lie that just because something doesn't come easily or naturally to you, that it's not worth you doing. Because we have all this kind of context of, you know, like, well, you know, I'm just not a natural at this, and so we abandon it. Or we throw it, we throw it away, and we never actually work on it. If that was the case, um, you know, I would have walked away from the upright bass in high school. Because I walked into an orchestra class, and I was mis-signed up for it. And they said, hey, uh, will you play the bass? I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, no. And they're like, oh, I'll just try it. And I was terrible at it. I'm still... Pretty terrible at it, but <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not I don't practice or anything like that. But the reality of it is, is uh, if it was just because I wasn't good at it or I wasn't natural at it, I still wouldn't be doing it today because I would have let that ship sail. And uh, the most of us uh, probably weren't supernatural at like driving a car the very first time we got behind the wheel right? Just didn't know anything. <laughs> Some of us still are. Uh, you, you could take this and apply it to anything in life. Just because you're not natural at it doesn't mean you shouldn't continue in pursuit of it. And I would just want to encourage you, if maybe you've been following Jesus uh, for a brief period of time, maybe it's been a long period of time and you feel like it should be easier by now to say, yes, I, I just want to combat that lie because that's just simply not the truth. Um, but it is 100% worthwhile. I love, I love uh, following Jesus. I'm going to read some of the things that I wrote just so I make sure I say them. Following Jesus isn't equivalent to saying some magic prayer or pressing life's easy button. You guys remember Staples? You used to have that commercial and it was like a big red easy button. I think you could actually buy them and gift them to people. Um, <laughs> Uh, but some people and some preachers present saying yes to Jesus in that way. Like, here, say yes to Jesus, invite him into a life, and he's going to immediately fix all of your problems. He's going to make you not poor anymore. You're going to get a free, uh, you know, you're going to get a free car or whatever. Like, <laughs> we, he's presented in such a way that your life is bad. Your life is hard. Saying yes to Jesus is going to make all the hard stuff and all the bad stuff go away, and your life's just going to get miraculously easy. The invitation to follow Jesus is and always has been one of self-denial, actually. Has always been one of seeing your passions laid to rest in exchange for his. That's why Matthew 16, 24 says, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, if you even want to follow Jesus, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Those are the words of Jesus, friends. That's not something that I'm coming up, and that stands in stark contrast to the treat-yourself culture that we understand today. 
of do what makes you feel good, of do what makes you feel happy. And Jesus says that stands in stark contrast to the way of the kingdom. Somebody should probably let Jesus know that that's bad for his brand. You know, like his PR, like that, that doesn't like really cast him in the best light. Like deny yourself and take up a cross and all of this stuff. Like people aren't going to be flocking to you, Jesus, uh, if that's going to be what you lead with in order to, to gain following uh, around the globe, right? It's nobody's like clamoring at the bit, like saying, yeah, that's what I want. Deny myself, uh, we live in this culture. It's like, God, if I say yes to you and I follow you, uh, what can you give me? Like, right? Jesus should be leading, like, I'll give you a free unicorn and a Bentley and make sure you always have money in your bank account, right? Something along those lines. And then you get followers, right, Jesus? But this deny yourself mentality doesn't get a lot of traction with most people. And the reality is, is Jesus, I think, is trying to weed out the people that are looking to serve him just to get something from him and looking for people who actually find worth and value in the person of Jesus. It's this understanding, friends, that Jesus isn't someone. He isn't something that you can just add to what you've got going on in your life. A lot of the times we treat Jesus as like seasoning salt or something like that. And we want him to just make our life a little bit better. And so we might start going to church. We might start to, you know, kind of dabbling in Jesus and say, well, let me, let me see if I can add a little of you to what I've already got going on. Add a little of you to my life and see if it gets better, right? Maybe it gets a little spicier, like <laughs> a little more flavorful if I just add a little Jesus and the call has always been that we would die to self. The call has always been that our lives would be radically molded around the person of Jesus in it, rather than just having Jesus be something added to our lives. Does that make sense? The way of Jesus demands the denial of self to where our lives are radically rearranged around him. So... I mentioned this before, those are some like pretty, pretty intense things that Jesus are that Jesus is saying here, right? We've looked at Jesus throughout his Sermon on the Mount where he says stuff that's easy to get behind, like, yeah, treat other people, be nice, be do good, right? Forgive other people, don't look at women lustfully, right? Don't hate your brother. Don't judge people without examining yourself first, right? We, we look at this, uh, pray to the Father and pray like this. When you fast and pray, do it with the right motivation. We look at the, the content of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and most of us can say, yeah, that's good. Like, yeah, that's all solid. We want that. And then he gets to this place where he starts talking about the narrow gate and the wide <laughs> gate, the highway to destruction or the path to life, and it's pretty exclusive and I love the fact that Jesus brings us to this decision and this kind of point where we have to kind of come up and develop a worldview. We have to decide what we're going to do with what he says. And uh, I love what C.S. Lewis says about this in Mere Christianity. He says this. I actually put a quote and I asked, is it in there? Cool. Awesome. Uh, it's a long one. Um, but it says this. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. 
I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of, said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Those are some pretty wise words around the claims that Jesus makes and the things that he says. And you don't have the privilege to simply sidestep the claims that Jesus makes here in these warnings at the end of his sermon and say, we don't want to heed those. We don't want to take those with the same weight as all of the other stuff that is mainly positive that Jesus said. You know, uh, mainly like good advice that Jesus says. We don't get to downplay or dilute his words. Um, and so with that, let's look again at this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Very quick, I just want to highlight the difference between the many and the few here. That's, uh, that's something that I, I want you to understand, that Jesus is highlighting the fact that if you say yes to him, the way of the kingdom, the way of Jesus will place you in the moral minority 100% of the time. We, we kind of live in this weird kind of construction of American Christendom that wants to like cry like, oh, we need to go back to our roots and be a Christian nation again. Can I tell you that that was never the case? Following Jesus has never been the popular opinion. It has never been the popular way. He never intended for it to be kind of the popular choice. Uh, it has always been and will continue to be, by, by definition of Jesus himself, the harder way, the lonelier way, the minority. And I want you to understand when you say yes to Jesus, you will position yourself as an outcast to what the culture deems as normal. And so we should not be surprised when the rest of the world is not in overwhelming support of a message that stands in direct opposition to everything that they desire. To say yes to Jesus, to follow him, is to place you at odds with the culture, is to place you at odds with the world. And that is something that you shouldn't be afraid of, but I want you to be cognizant of the fact that you're in good company if you're not super, um, anyway, I'm making up words and all kinds of stuff. Um, I want you to recognize the fact that if you're not in the popular side of, uh, popular side of the world, culture, culture, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You guys get what I'm saying. I should stick to my notes. But uh, the many versus the few, that is something that Jesus wants to highlight here, 
is the fact that uh, to say yes to Jesus places you at odds with the rest of the world, (laughs) in a sense. But let's look at the gates here, right? We've got a wide gate, a narrow gate, and uh, this gate is uh, the entrance to a path that Jesus would talk about. And so if we're going to define the narrow gate, I think it's very easy to look at Scripture and let Jesus do that for us. Um, I think the narrow gate is very plainly speaking of Jesus himself. Um, I believe Jesus spoke of himself as the gateway to God. And I say that because in John 10, 9, he makes the statement, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He goes on in John's gospel in 14, 6 to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He makes some very like specific claims there. And he says this, this is kind of the part that people have issue with and take up arms against. Um, and it's confrontational by design because Jesus doesn't want you to mistake what he's saying. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus defines himself as the gate. He's very clear. He's the only way to the Father. You see, you could do everything outlined in the Sermon on the Mount that we've spent the last number of months kind of walking through. You could love your enemies. You could bless those who persecute you. You could pray. You could, uh, you, you could do all the things. You could not look at women lustfully. You could do whatever you want to talk about there and do it to a T. Well, I don't actually think you could, but let's say theoretically you did and still miss out on this pathway to life because Jesus makes it very clear he is the only way to the Father. And so outside of him, there isn't hope for us uh, to walk this road. And he, he, he says these things very plainly, very clearly, because there's no way to get on the narrow path outside of Jesus Christ himself. So if Jesus is the narrow gate... Um, And we have this wide gate, the easy entrance, if you will, the one that's wide open, the highway to hell, if you're in the New Living Translation. It goes on and it says, um, I would would just, I guess the the easy definition then uh, for what the wide gate is, or the easy way, the easy path, is anything that's not Jesus. (laughs) Anyone that's not Jesus, and that's confrontational. You know, you could take the other world's religions, you could take the worship of self, any other ideology that's not Jesus, um, because those gates are all the same. They lead to the same path. They lead to the same destruction, and that's why it's wide. And you might say that's pretty narrow-minded, right? You might have this kind of idea that, well, Nate, you should open up your mind a little bit more if you're going to say... Uh, that anything that's not Jesus is wrong. I'm not saying that. Jesus is saying that. And so by, I guess by way I am saying that, I agree with Jesus. Um, but contrary to what culture might suggest, being narrow-minded isn't 100% a bad thing. I want you to think about this for a second. Like You take something as elementary, as basic as mathematics, right? It's, it's a field of science that's very good to be narrow-minded in. We take 2 plus 2 equals 4. It will always be that way. I know that there's some weird people that think like common core math is destroying 2 plus 2 equaling 4, but my wife is a teacher. I've walked through it. She's explained it to me. It does make sense. If 
in, in some kind of realm of learning, it does. Uh, but like we take mathematics for simple, like two plus two equals four. That's a pretty narrow-minded to say that two plus two is always going to equal four, right? It's not open to suggestions. It's not open to other views of thought. It's not open to what you feel two plus two should equal. Two plus two equals four. It's this universal truth. And upon that simple framework, all kinds of things are built. Right? We, we measure windows and we, we build buildings. We manufacture cars and vehicles and computers based on the simple thing of mathematics. And if mathematics was open to interpretation, nothing that we have would exist the way that it does. Everything would be falling apart. We'd have, uh, it, it'd be scary, right? It'd be a kind of a, a scary world that we live in. In that context, being narrow-minded is a good thing. And things uh, like mathematics and things like sciences, I, I want people to be very focused. I want people to be very narrow-minded. Um, you know what equally is important to math that I feel like it's a good area to be narrow-minded in is food. I mean, you guys ever been to like a restaurant that has a menu that's like 13 pages long, covers every cuisine known to man? I've heard Cheesecake Factory is like this. I've never been there. I've heard Cheesecake Factory is good, so maybe this is completely undermining my point. But <laughs> the cheesecake's good. I don't know. <laughs> But you can order like pad thai and like <laughs> like Italian food at the same time. I, I don't know. That sounds that sounds bonkers to me. But I'm always I'm like always skeptical of uh, menus that cover like a wide array like a wide array of choices. Like I want to go to the place that does one thing and one thing really 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 good like I went to this food truck in Portland that just uh, that just did Hmong food and I don't know what I ordered uh, because it was all in like Chinese I'm guessing um, <laughs> but he only did one thing and you could do it like mild spicy or stupid hot <laughs> and uh, so I just said, I'll do that, and I'll do it spicy, and it was good. Um, I can trust a place in business that does one thing and does one thing well. It's that narrow-minded approach of uh, doing things. And the people that are singularly focused, the people that are narrow-minded, particularly on something, they do those things really well. And so when it comes to eternity, when it comes to what you do with your soul and how you're going to spend this life and something that I believe to be very real, the next life, um, I, I don't think it's something that you should be open to everybody's opinion about. I don't think it's something that we should approach casually or cautiously. I think it has to be something that we look at the track record, we look at the person, we look at the things that Jesus has to say, and it's worthwhile being narrow-minded in that approach. Uh, because Jesus very clearly says, there is a right way, there is a wrong way. Um, and I don't necessarily think that there is a, um, this doesn't mean like we demean people. This doesn't mean that we just tell everybody that they're wrong. They're going to hell and uh, yell at them, have the street signs and whatnot. That's not what I'm getting at here. But Jesus is pretty exclusive with his language. And if you're going to say yes to Jesus in any part, if you're going to take his word at any value, we have to take all of it. Does that make sense? It doesn't do us any good to just say, I'm going to pick, and pick the parts of Jesus that I like 
and disregard the things that are hard or disregard the things that are difficult because it does boil Jesus down just to a philosopher. It does boil, it does boil Jesus down to just a good human teacher, which he never claimed to be, and so he's obviously crazy, right? That's the whole process of C.S. Lewis there thinking. But um, that's, it's a very, I mean, Jesus is very clear with what he says here in this passage of Scripture. But it brings us to the way, right? So if Jesus is the gate on the narrow path, he's the gate that leads to the narrow path, the narrow way, if you will. So if Jesus is the gate, the way that is hard, I believe, is the Christian life. You know, we've already talked about this. I've already shared passages of scriptures denying yourself, saying yes to Jesus is not necessarily an easy thing. In fact, 2 Timothy 3.12 actually promises us that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Woo! Amen! If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, that's going to place you in the moral minority, that's going to place you at a, at a point of opposition going counterculturally against the things that this world deems valuable. And it's going to prepare you for hardship. <laughs> so that's the promise that we have from Jesus. When we sing those songs about all your promises won't let go of me, this is a promise that fits right in there. <laughs> that uh, if you're going to say yes to Jesus, you're going to invite hardship. You're going to invite opposition. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but to do the th things that Jesus talked about, to love your enemies, to bless those who persecute you, to give extravagantly, to forsake earthly possessions, to forgive freely, all of those things are not easy, right? All the things Jesus outlines in his Sermon on the Mount, they're not, they don't come naturally, but they will 100% of the time yield a better result. They will give you a better life. I was going to make a joke and a jab in here about Jesus, like uh, not like selling the best life now kind of uh, version of the gospel. Um, but the reality is saying yes to Jesus will give you your best life now. It's just not necessarily is an easy one. It doesn't necessarily fall in line with what we deem as good a lot of the times because we have inferior definitions of what it actually looks like to have the good life. Our idea of the good life is that we have money in the bank, we've got the nice house, we've got the greener grass, we've got the nice car, you know, our kids are going to school, they're going to college, and you know, they're getting straight A's, they're getting scholarships and whatnot, and they're staying out of trouble. Like, that's our idea of the good life, but the good life that Jesus describes is so much better than those temporary fleeting things that we really have no control over. Ooh, I'm not going to talk about that yet, because I'm not there. Um, but the way, the way is difficult. The way is hard, but it 100% yields a better life. And so my question to you is, as we reflect back on what Jesus has talked about throughout this sermon, there was lots of places where we looked and saw, man, we could be doing this better. I think we need to ask the question, are we actively living out the life described in the Sermon on the Mount? Because our answer to that question, are we living out the Sermon on the Mount day by day, that, that is a point of reference for which path we're on. If we can't say we're actively doing the things that Jesus said to do, 
This is all in context here. If we're not loving our enemies, if we're not blessing those who persecute us, if we're not doing unto others as they as we would want them to do unto us, if we're not manifesting that fruit in our life, which we'll talk about next week, Jesus is saying that we're on a path, we're on a way to destruction. Because to do the things the Christian is called to do is difficult. Possible with his help, but it's difficult. And that's an indicator of which path that we're on. If we've subscribed ourselves to just walk through the gate of Jesus and then walk right back out and get on the wide road that leads to destruction because it's easier to do that and try to keep Jesus in our back pocket as like a get out of hell free card, we're missing the point of everything Jesus is talking about in this sermon. He calls us to live differently in order that culture might be transformed and changed through us. Our answer to this question identifies what path that we're on, what way we're going. And Jesus says that many, if they were to answer that question truthfully, would discover that they're on the wrong path. People in churches, people here in this room right now, if we were to answer this question with 100% transparency, would probably be easier for us to say, you know, I am not on the right path. I'm not following the narrow way. I'm opting for easy street. I'm opting for the broad road because it fits in line with my passions more. Uh, It makes me feel better about who I am to do this rather than embracing the call to carry the cross down the narrow path. Contrast this way, this path, with the way of the kingdom. If we look at the way of the kingdom, the way of Jesus as outlined in the Sermon on the Mount, we we compare that, we contrast that with the culture. We contrast that with the way of Pagosa Springs, the way of Pagoslo, right? You can get a hat downtown with like Pagoslo on it. People got bumper stickers, it's like... It's the easy life, you know, it's the good life. Let's just take it easy. Let's just relax. Everybody's on vacation. People drive like they're on vacation. It's great. You all seen this, right? This is, it's it's this concept. It's this cultural thing. Our society, even here in Pagosa, it's built around doing what makes us feel good built around pleasing our desires and pursuing our pleasures. Can I tell you, friends, I don't wake up in the morning tempted to go smoke crack. That's good. That's a start, yeah. I don't wake up in the morning like thinking like, you all thought I was just going to stop there. (laughs) That's good, Nate. This is awkward. Um, I don't like wake up in the morning like with this desire to just like go stab babies. Like I don't, like I don't have these like terrible, like crazy thoughts that just make me like the bane of existence. Like I don't wake up thinking like it'd be a good idea to leave my wife and my family and my kids right now. I, I don't wake up in the morning thinking like, oh, it'd just be good to blaspheme God and like build an altar to Baal in my backyard. Like, that's not, the, that's not the temptation. That's not the allure. The temptation for me, friends, 
is to buy into the, the lie of complacency. It's to buy into the life of just being normal, right? Don't take this Jesus thing too far. Just, just be normal so that like, you can go like walk into a store, have a conversation with somebody where you don't have to bring God up. And then you just like be normal. Go with the flow. Friends, that's, can I be honest? That's a, that's, a, that's a temptation that exists for each and every one of us, the allure of just fitting in. And as much as you don't like to claim your nonconformity and you're an individualist and you don't want to, the reality is it's easier to go with the flow. It's easier not to make waves. It's easier to not cause disruption. It's easier to not stand out. It's easier to just kind of, you know, kind of put on your hood and just kind of walk by unnoticed. But the call of the Christian is not one for us to just go with the flow. The call of the follower of Jesus is actually one to stand out and stand in, in, stand in confrontation to the culture. To, to, to go against the grain and follow Jesus closely. Anyway, there is a a temptation to be normal. There is a temptation to go with the flow, but that's not what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to embrace the narrow way, to embrace the narrow path, which is not easy. Many people aren't going that direction. Many people aren't going that way, but it's 100% worthwhile because the destination, right? Remember we talked about two gates, two paths, two destinations, the destination is very much worthwhile. Both paths end up in very, very different places. And Jesus is very clear. There is an easier way to live life, to do the here and now, than saying yes to him. There is an easier way than saying yes to Jesus, but it's not better. Don't confuse those things. Easy does not equate better. Its end is destruction, and many are entering through it. Many are on that path. Proverbs 16.25 says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a warning here, friends, that there is a way that seems right unto us. Seems more natural, probably. Seems right to us, but in its end is death and destruction. I don't know about you, you, you know, we could argue theology and talk about well, hell, hell is it like a literal place of destruction or torment for thousands of years or for all of eternity or is it just like annihilationism? All these things are bad. You know, it doesn't really boil, boil down for us to like get, uh, I mean, we should and we probably will, but uh, for the sake of this context, you don't want that. Nobody wants death, right? Nobody wants destruction. Bad. You guys understand that? It's not what we want, but we contrast with the way of life that Jesus offers. Because I've always been a firm proponent that the goodness of God preaches better than the nastiness of hell. Um, because hell is bad and you don't want to go there. But I don't want that to be the motivation for why you say yes to Jesus. I want you to say yes to Jesus because I believe there's a better way and there's a here and now and there's something, uh, there's something to be had of him. And that would be said uh, if we contrast this way of death that we just talked about with the life that Jesus has offered, that life, wow, with the life 
that Jesus offers, uh, it's very easy to make a decision. John 10, uh, we read it earlier, uh, verse 9, I'll start there again. It says, I am the door. Remember Jesus talking about being the gate? If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I want you to know, friends, that this life that Jesus offers on the narrow way, on the narrow path, is one that is abundant and that it's full. And it's not just an end destination that we get there and then, okay, we suffer through this hardship and now all of a sudden, you know, there's no more tears and there's no more pain. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's hard. But that life and life eternal begins now. It begins here when we say yes to Jesus. It's a life that's promised to be full. It's a life that's promised to be fulfilling. It's a life that's promised to be, uh, to be exciting, to be adventurous, to be full of him. And so while I talk about following Jesus, saying yes to Jesus being hard, can I tell you, friends, it's been the, the best journey that I've ever been on. It's been the most miraculous. I, I wouldn't trade a day of any of it from even when it's been hard and difficult to say yes uh, for a day without his presence and everything that the world has to offer because that's what's different between saying yes to Jesus and not is the fact that everybody in this world universally suffers. Regardless of your worldview, regardless of uh, whatever God you pray to, regardless of, you know, uh, if you're old or young, if you're rich or poor, suffering exists in this life. Toil exists, and I believe it exists because of the fall of man in sin. It was never in God's initial design. But I talk about life being hard. Universally, life is hard. Right? Anybody ever had a friend? Anybody here ever met another living person? Yeah, okay. Yeah, people stink sometimes. And life is hard. And there's consequences. And it's not always easy. We know that. But the difference between saying yes to Jesus and walking this narrow path that invites opposition is that we get to do it not alone. And I'm not here just to like over-spiritualize it and say, oh, we got Jesus with us, which we do. I'm going to talk about that. That's my conclusion. But we also have each other. There may not be a ton of us. There might be few of us. But we get to do it together as the body of Christ. And that should be encouraging. That should be something that, that, uh, that riles you up, that, ex- that excites you. But I want to end with this because I feel like one of the most beautiful promises of Jesus is found in John 16. He's just said all these things to his disciples. You should read like John 14 through 17 all the time. Uh, It's actually missing from like most of my Bibles because it falls out. Um, But Jesus says in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That's a great promise, Jesus, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And I want to tell you, friends, saying yes to Jesus is hard. Following Jesus is probably one of the most difficult things you could ever sign up for, ever do. But the beauty of it is, is that he doesn't leave you to try to figure it out in your own strength. But that he promises to send a helper. He promises to send his Holy Spirit. He promises 
to be with you. And the fact is, he has overtaken and he has overcome the world. And that should be a, a place for you to be excited about. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.